for being here, my friend. I'm Vonna Davis, and from my heart, I welcome you to the Midlife Confidence Podcast, the show that will help you skip the midlife crisis and fulfill your midlife quest. I found the key to growing in our middle years lies in managing our own mind. I want to teach you to reimagine your identity and purpose and live a life full of possibility. Join me on a journey to discover your midlife confidence. We're talking about energy for a series of episodes, working on an energy makeover, so to speak. And we started with mental energy and we're going on to physical energy today. And then next time it will be spiritual energy. Our mind, our body, and spirit are so closely tied together. They all affect each other. And I've learned that circling through all three of them, raising my energy in each one, leads to a higher energy overall. So we can have the energy to accomplish the things that we want and have the experience we want in life. So when your body is dragging, get motivated to refuel your energy with food, rest, and sleep. Physical energy is the easiest to notice, and of course there's so much advice out there already on taking good care of our bodies, what we should do to be healthy, right? From eating to exercising to sleeping. And for those of us well on into midlife, those things become so much more important. We don't have the resilience to keep eating junk food, staying up till 1am and only exercising once a week without consequences to our energy level and our ultimate quality of life. And here's the hard truth. As we get older, we do have cellular changes that affect our energy level. Our cells become less efficient. And then our body functions with half or even fourth of the energy of a younger person. And some of that's determined by genetics, but it's also heavily influenced by lifestyle. So that's where we have the power. The big three factors in a healthy lifestyle are food, rest, and exercise. We probably all have some idea of what we'd like to improve in all of these areas. You might be working on one or all of them right now. The world is full of advice on how to do those right. But knowing what we should do is not enough. Because what's so interesting is whenever we want to do something better, our mind is what either gets it done or gets in our way. So today I want to talk about the mindset that will be your best motivator while I share some practical actions you can take to raise your physical energy level. So let's start with exercise and moving. I did an episode on movement already, that was episode six, but I just want to add a few thoughts to that. When it comes to mindset and motivation, I find it helps to have some research and facts for my mind to take in that helps me focus on why. Why do I even want to do this? If there's a proven reason why it works, that helps. So here's a couple of facts for you. Would you believe that when it comes to powering through your afternoon slump, that walking up and down stairs is better than a cup of coffee? Seriously? Researchers from the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Georgia found that walking up and down stairs for 10 minutes offers the same level of energy as about four ounces of coffee. I loved learning that because I don't drink coffee, so it's nice to know I have an even better option available that's caffeine-free. So the next time you're facing that afternoon energy crash, here's a thought to get us all up and moving. We could think, some people take a coffee break about now, but all I need to do is get moving for 10 short minutes and I'll get all the benefits without the side effects. Here's another fun fact to motivate moving for more energy. 
So one study had healthy but sedentary people. They helped them begin exercising three days a week for just 20 minutes a day, either at a moderate or low intensity. That's not very much time or effort, is it? But by the end of six weeks, their energy levels were 20% higher than those in the control group of non-exercisers. That's because doing any cardio exercise causes our heart to pump more blood, deliver more oxygen and nutrients to our cells, and that leads to more energy. I love that our bodies are designed so that simple, short sessions of exercise will raise our energy level like that. That's sweet. I like to use facts like these as direct thoughts in my head that help me take action. And somehow the thought, I've been sitting in front of my computer for three hours, I really should get up and move, isn't as motivating as, you know, if I just get up and run up and down the stairs to two of my favorite songs, it'll send oxygen and nutrients all through my body and amp up my energy as much as a Dr. Pepper, and I'll be able to finish this project faster and better. So let's talk about resting our body. Sleep is when our body rebuilds itself and restores our energy, so it's critical. Unfortunately, you might have found as I have that sleep gets more challenging as we get on in life. Apparently, our sleep architecture changes and we get less deep sleep. I often go to sleep fine, but I wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning and I stay wide awake for a couple of hours. It's so ironic because when I was raising babies, I remember craving sleep like a drug. Now, instead of babies who keep me awake, I'm the one waking up in the night and keeping myself from getting a good night's rest. That's something I'm really working on now, figuring out what will work for me. I'm testing out a lot of things. So far, there hasn't been any supplement like melatonin that seems to make a difference for me. But here are four things I found that make it much more likely that I'll sleep all through the night and as a result, have better energy the next day. And the first three things that have helped me have to do with setting our circadian rhythm so we have a pattern and our body gets in the habit. And the first one is to go to sleep and get up at the same time every day. And the next two have to do with light because light helps set our circadian rhythm. So getting outdoor light during the day, especially earlier in the day, has seemed to really help. Sometimes I just go out on the front step and sometimes I'll take a 10 minute walk around the block to start the day once the sun comes up over the mountains. And if I didn't get outside much during the day, then I'll go for another walk in the early afternoon. And then the third point is to turn off screens at least an hour or two before bedtime because Blue light disrupts our circadian rhythm. I'm really working to be off my computer, my phone, and away from the TV, but I confess to still reading my paper white Kindle with the brightness way down low and using reading glasses that have blue blocking filters. So that's my justification. I should probably cut that out for a while and see if it helps. And the fourth thing that's helping me is doing yoga before bed especially yoga that's active enough to get my blood circulating and fill that glow. You would think that more relaxing stretches would work better, but that's not what I'm noticing so far. So here's what's interesting. Here are these four things that I find make a difference for me, and yet I don't always do them every single day, even though I know that the quality of not only my energy, but the quality of my whole life rests on getting enough sleep. Why don't I do them? 
When you think about your sleep habits, is there anything you're not doing and why? When we're not doing something that we want to do, we have to dive into the thoughts we're having about it that are stopping us. So I had to really be more aware and pay attention and I realized two things for me. Number one, it's because I'm doing something else that I don't want to quit. Usually some work I'm trying to get done. So when I do that, I'm giving up what I really want in the long run for what I want right now. And the other thought that gets in my way is I have this resentment over how much time it takes out of my waking hours to get better sleep. I didn't have to work so hard to sleep when I was younger. And then thinking that I shouldn't have to do this, I have to add all these habits into an already busy day. That really does get in my way of doing what I want to do to get better sleep. So I'm working on noticing what's happening in my head and being onto myself and how I'm disrupting my higher goals And often just being aware that I'm doing it is enough to get me to do what I want. And then I also keep some better thoughts in mind, like I'll have more energy to enjoy my life if I get away from my desk and go for a walk like I planned. Or instead of pushing so hard and waiting until I'm so tired and it's so late to go to bed, actually starting to see it as a great luxury that I deserve to give myself an hour and a half to wind down for bed and get to sleep on time. Then I'll have time to do some yoga, read, pray, journal, make it a time I look forward to. So I'm finding that not only trying to get more sleep, but managing the time when I'm awake in the night better really helps too. And I noticed some interesting research. A study done by some people at USC and UCLA found that for older adults who had some sleep disturbances, that mindfulness meditation was more effective than sleep hygiene. And sleep hygiene covers things like going to bed and up at the same time every day, making sure that it's quiet and dark and things like that. So while I figure out how to sleep better, then I'm also managing my mind drama of being awake in the night. When I'm thinking things like, this is terrible, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow, I need to go to sleep, That drama just makes it so much worse. But instead, I decided to just relax about it. Thoughts that serve me better when I'm awake in the night are, my body can still recover and recharge if I just rest and relax. It's so quiet and reverent now. It's nice to be totally at peace. I don't have to do anything now, and I don't have to feel guilty about it. How awesome is that? So it's a good chance to practice taking charge of my mind and not let my thoughts run away. Because once we're awake, then we can get into that like spinning about all the things that we are worried about. But to stay in a more meditative state, it helps also sometimes to listen to guided meditations. Then my mind is too involved listening to take off thinking about what I need to do the next day or worrying about my kids or whatever. And in that last podcast, I mentioned Kenneth Soiree's deep sleep meditations. Just want to remind you of that. You can find him on the Insight Timer app or on YouTube. So let's move on from resting our body to fueling our body. We get bogged down with all the drama about food and all our thoughts about weight, diets, body image, willpower, our self-judgment, and basically information overload because there's so much out there about how we should be eating. Let's just step back a minute and admire the amazing way we're designed. 
We're created with such an incredible system to fuel our body with energy. And we have not only these incredibly engineered practical parts that turn food into nutrients, which our body can use for energy growth and cell repair, and then we even got designed with some awesome extra features like taste and smell that make eating a pleasure, not just survival. It's a complicated and astonishing system when you look at it with everything figured out because not only are we designed to consume food, but then all this delicious food is available on the earth to nourish us and it comes loaded with all the nutrients we need. It's so amazing how God worked that all out. So let's remember that at its core, food is energy. A calorie is just a measurement of energy that we get from food. We have so much fear about what food will do to us, but are we grateful for what it does for us? We sometimes get so wound up in what not to eat. Do we intentionally eat food that will fuel our body and bring us the energy we need? So here's a few ideas that help me appreciate and enjoy using food for its purpose. By far, my favorite advice for healthy eating is from a tiny little book called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. And the number one rule is to eat food. And what he means is don't eat food-like substances. If your grandmother wouldn't recognize it, it probably isn't really food. And his second rule is not too much. And the third rule is mostly plants. I keep wanting to put that on my kitchen wall. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. So I'll share a little of my own food journey When we were busy raising kids, we ate the easy stuff that kids will eat, right? So it was tacos, pizza, burgers, and cookies, plus lots of mushroom soup casseroles. I always had an interest in healthy food, though, and I kept slowly on working on learning more and adding in healthier food. Eating healthier got easier as my kids grew up, and then I had that experience that pushed me into taking better action. In fact, exactly 10 years ago, My doctor told me I had high cholesterol. I was so shocked. And he had me start some statin meds. And within a few weeks, I was having deep pain in my legs, which is a warning sign that the meds aren't working for you. So I went off the medication and I decided I would change my cholesterol level with my diet. And I went 100% vegan all at once. I was determined and I was also really curious to see if it would work and what it would take. So this is what happened. In four months or so, my cholesterol dropped like a rock. I think it was down to 113. It was so low that a nurse actually told me it was dangerous. I don't know what that means. But I also had this unexpected side effect that I lost 28 pounds. And for sure, I was pretty happy about that. It felt great. Well, interestingly, the story doesn't end there because I kept eating this strict vegan diet And within a year, I had regained about half of that weight, and my cholesterol went back up almost to the same high level it was before. It was a pretty interesting experiment. But regardless of those results, I decided it was a better way for me to eat. And 10 years later, my general practitioner says he isn't worried about my cholesterol level, even though it's on the higher side. It's probably genetic, and now they see it as only one factor in heart health. Over time, the way I eat has evolved less into a vegan diet, but more into whole foods, plant-based eating. I'm not that hardcore about it. I do eat meat or ice cream once in a while, and I don't ever feel like I fell off the wagon if I do. It's just about making what I eat 90% of the time the best fuel for me. 
and I really do believe that it's helped me have greater health and energy. What I hope is that if you've been eating the same things for a while, that you'll take a fresh look at what's on your plate. The right types of food can raise your energy and make you feel better. So see it as something you can experiment with and see what works for you. My own experience has led me to believe that packaged, processed foods tend to make us feel sluggish and heavy, while fresh, whole, unprocessed foods renew our energy levels with all the good vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. Another thing I tried out about a year ago was a suggestion to not eat between meals, and I wasn't too sure about that, but thought I'd try it. Again, another test. I know there's lots of advice out there about eating small meals to maintain your blood sugar and all that, but when I tried this out for myself, I was surprised that I felt so much better. I felt lighter and freer, and it also freed up some of my limited decision-making energy because every time I would eat, I had to decide what it will be, and it triggered a desire to eat more. It was just so much easier to stop snacking between meals. And after some initial uncomfortable urges based on my habits, I realized that I did feel more energetic. And now a year later, it's just the way probably 90% of the time that I only eat at three meals and I don't think about eating in between. And it's reduced decision fatigue by limiting how many times a day I have to consider what and how much to eat. So I'm not suggesting that this might work for you, but just that you try out new things and experiment, especially because our body has changed over time. We have to open up our mind to new ways because as we get on in life, our body's ability to turn food into energy slows down. Somewhere along the way, I didn't need to eat as much or as often as when I was younger, but habits don't just automatically change without some intentional effort. Speaking of habits, another habit that had gone on autopilot were my prayers before meals. And then I started thinking about how amazing the food is that I'm about to eat, even envisioning it growing and how beautiful that is, and giving thanks for that in my prayers. And sometimes if I have no idea what a food source actually looks like growing, I'll ask Siri to find me an image of the plant. Like, do you know what a quinoa plant looks like? It's a lot easier to thank God for what he's given me when I can see it in my mind. So here's some thoughts that work better for me when I'm resisting changing how I eat. I wonder how this change will affect me. Maybe it will be great. It's worth trying for a while. It's just interesting to figure out what works. So one of the things I help my clients with is seeing how their thoughts are getting in the way when they want to change something. We're often so close and familiar with our patterns of thought that we can't see it. And it really helps to have someone with some training to show us our own mind. So here's a bonus energy tip, and it's about water. It might sound weird that water increases your energy, but it does. Water is a huge percentage of our body's composition, and that includes our brains. And when we're dehydrated, our brain can't work at its usual efficiency. And as a result, we can begin to feel fatigued and lose a lot of our energy, among other things. According to a study in the Journal of Nutrition, we don't actually start feeling thirsty until we're already at a 2% level of dehydration. Just a 1.5% level of dehydration is enough for significant fatigue to come on. They found that young women in the study were just mildly dehydrated. It adversely affected their mood state, their fatigue, their perception of task difficulty, their concentration, and their headaches. 
The solution is to be sure you're drinking enough water so you never feel that thirst sensation. For women, that's about eight cups a day, and for men, it's about 10. So there's just a bonus tip for you. So to wrap it up, what good things are you already doing? Because for sure, you've already made some good habits in these areas, and you figured out some things that are best for you. How can you build on that? What's your vision for having higher physical energy in your day? What would do that for you now? And can you imagine being 90-something and having age-defying energy levels? How fun would that be? If we get some good energy management in place now, that's certainly more possible. What do you think it will take for you to restore your physical energy so you just feel light and eager to get going? You can work through some of that in the journal pages for this episode. To get the free journal pages every week, just sign up at midlifeconfidencecoach.com. So it's time to take care of ourselves intentionally so that we have the best possible energy to have the experience in life that we want. And we can start by looking at our patterns of sleeping, eating, and moving. And then get some self-awareness and notice what habits we have and what thoughts are stopping us from taking care of ourselves the way we want to. When we clean up our mindset first, those good self-care practices will follow. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. Are there things in your life you've been trying to change and accomplish for a while, but you keep getting the same result? If you want something different, it's time to try something different. As a life coach, I teach people to see the possibilities open to them, to re-envision their identity and purpose. Somewhere in the middle of life is the perfect time to update your mind and how you're thinking so you can make the most of the rest of your life. You can get in touch with me and schedule a free discovery call by emailing me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or on my website midlifeconfidencecoach.com or message me on social media at Midlife Confidence Coach. I can answer all your questions about how coaching could help you. All that's in the show notes. Take care until next time.